the show and uh, hopefully my volume is actually coming in because I don't always exactly know if that's the case because uh, I don't have the uh, indicator. So maybe I should probably find a, a software that I can stream onto YouTube from my phone with. Maybe that might be uh, the strategy moving forward instead of using the default uh, streaming app that comes on the phone. Who knows? But at least the uh, picture's coming in through. I got myself a, a Laranya Scuro this evening. It's very exquisite, very happy to have that. Just kind of sad that uh, Espinoza, as a company, kind of screwed over my uh, supplier of tobacco. So I'm going to just have to uh, get over myself, basically. And, uh, oh, which I will. I will definitely get over myself. So yeah, today's episode, season 18, uh, Cognitive Mechanics. We're discussing uh, the four variants of the octogram, but specifically the individual variants themselves, regardless of the uh, 16 personality types. Uh, that's what we uh, have been discussing. And that's cool. It's pretty awesome. It's happening. Of course, we've been doing uh, season 32 in the uh, journeyman section, which a lot of you are aware of already. Season 32, we've been discussing each of the 16 individual types as well as how the four octogram variants actually comes out you know, from their direction as well. So yeah, put in season 18, we're discussing the octogram variants individually while we're making our way through season 32. And that's uh, basically you know, the direction that uh, we're taking it, so yeah. Well, hopefully you guys can hear me. So, we know that the octogram discerns four variants for each type. These four variants are different shades and flavors of each type. There are layers that determine octogram influence beneath what is easily visible. Octogram deals with development and focus. Cognitive development and cognitive focus exists on a temple level, a four sides level, and an individual functional level. A person's octogram reveals their preference for which temple, which side of the mind, and yes, even which functions they prefer to use. See the Ego Hacking Your Fear Masterclass. For more information on that. If you guys haven't gotten the Ego Hacking Your Fear Masterclass, like what do you do with your life? It's some of the best work that we ever produced. John Bodine, totally masterful. Myself also very masterful uh, within that uh, two-hour lecture. It was incredible. We actually basically get into the nitty-gritty of the octogram and show how the octogram works at basically every layer, directly from the temple wheels, cognitive origins, and the like. So egohackingyourfear.com, if you don't have the course already, if you do have the course already, then go to offers.csjoseph.life forward slash EYF hyphen masterclass. Then at that point, you'll be able to enjoy all of the details relating to the Octogram content that kind of brings this season 18 episodes as well as season 32 together. And also what we have uh, coming out very soon for Ego Hacking Love Language. Ego Hacking Love Language is coming. And uh, trust me, you're going to want to get in on Ego Hacking Love Language when it drops. But before we do that, we're going to have How to Type Yourself uh, Type Grid Edition and How to Type Yourself Octogram Edition uh, coming out before Ego Hacking Love Language, which are going to be really cool, fun. Make sure that everybody is on the same page. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. Very excited about that. So, be that as it may, 
This particular episode, we're talking about SDUF types, also known as the decay energy. And if you want to learn more about decay energy, you're going to want to read Strauss and Howe, okay? Strauss and Howe, uh, who wrote the book The Fourth Turning. And you can consider the fourth turning much unlike the, the four seasons and the four energies of the octogram. So you have joy, which is uh, summertime, which decays into fall. And then we have despair energy, which is wintertime. And then we have hope, which is springtime. These are the four seasons according to the four energies of Strauss and Howe theory and how we are directly applying them uh, here within the context of the octogram. Because each of the four octogram variants actually ends up, uh, well, let's just say, Let's just say that uh, it all just runs together. And we're discussing decay energy today. Decay energy, it's still a, uh, you know, SDUF as a mind state, it's still a temporary mind state. It is still unconscious focused. And unconscious focus oftentimes becomes a serious problem. Or well, many times, oftentimes becomes a serious problem. So decay energy, definitely, uh, comes from you know having this amazing childhood and then the thing is as though is that you as a person you are kind of uh, basically in the situation where you're enabled in the wrong things it's like your parents cheering you on for being great at video games cheering you on for gaining weight I actually had that experience as a child uh, my grandmother would cheer me on for gaining weight and I just wish she would stop it was just this ESFJ thing she just thought it was like some kind of game or whatever. And honestly, it, uh, I mean, let's be straight, it was pretty embarrassing and not exactly a fun situation. Not by any stretch of the imagination, so. Great. So unconscious focus being a temporary mind state ultimately. And remember as children, we present as subconscious because we're trying to utilize our childhood to actually become subconscious focus. We want to develop our neural pathways in such a direction where we become subconscious focused. That's ultimately the point. That's ultimately where we're going. And then unconscious focus comes as a result of survival mode. And these people have this rude awakening. It's what John Bodine calls the rude awakening octogram variant. And it's like, okay, hey, I finally made it to adulthood, but I don't have any of the skills needed to actually be an adult. And this is ultimately what creates unconscious focus because the brain is like, oh crap, I need wisdom. I should have had wisdom by now. I don't have wisdom. I'm not going to survive without wisdom. So I'm going to focus everything I have on utilizing my shadow functions in order to gain the wisdom from my critic function in order to uh, facilitate that particular situation. And, and it makes sense, and rightfully so. Thing is, though, is that like, you know, as, as difficult as it is to be around UDUF types, I've noticed in life it's actually pretty difficult to be around SDUF types, like really difficult. Because I don't know, I just sometimes I get the feeling, and you know, and this this could be my own personal bias, but sometimes I get the feeling that SDUF types kind of come off like pretty extra entitled in general, and. You know, I have noticed in, in some cases that they bother me, but ever since becoming UDSF myself recently and, you know, and finishing that shift from 
UDUF to UDSF, although I have to make a conscious choice to maintain UDSF on a regular basis, I was actually UDUF for a good portion of last week due to the difficulties that I was facing last week uh, from that point of view. But, uh, you know, SDUF types don't really bother me as much as they used to. Uh, instead, I've noticed that I've actually been able to kind of assist SDUF types and actually bring them a bit more joy in their life so that they stop decaying themselves and stop decaying everything else. And it's just something I've noticed. And it's something like I've kind of taken it upon myself to call out SDUF types, whereas before I would just kind of ignore them and let them be miserable within the context of their own misery. I would leave them in the ditch basically when I was UDUF. But now that I'm practicing, you know, outward compassion, being the envy in the room, and having that perspective, you know, as a result of that, there's a dude literally dressed as a knight in the background. That's hilarious. And it sounds like uh, metal, not plastic. But, um, the point is, nowadays, like, they don't bother me as much as they used to, and I, I've been able to show them a lot more compassion and kind of help them along their way into trying to get back into subconscious focus, which is a more t uh, permanent mind state, you know, so. Granted, we can't really change our cognitive development unless we suffer brain trauma, and I know there's a few of you in the audience that actually disagree with me on that point, but seriously, I, I just haven't really noticed it in my life or in the field, you know, from, from, that, from that capacity. I just, I haven't noticed it. I haven't noticed it at all. Uh, without brain trauma, I'm just not seeing development change, but focus can change, and that's really based on, you know, what paradigm you're in as an SDUF type. But that decay energy, it's like, you know, it's like you enter into adulthood, and it's like all of a sudden you have all these adult rules that you never had to deal with as a child and what these types end up doing as they're in their state of decay, they, they end up decaying the rules, they end up decaying the boundaries. And it's so funny because you notice SDUF types oftentimes don't have boundaries themselves. It's one of the most interesting things that I've noticed about them. They just don't, they just don't have boundaries themselves because from their perspective, it's like they're, they're resentful that boundaries exist. They are resentful that responsibilities actually exist and they carry that resentment with them basically everywhere they go in their life and it's 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 pretty frustrating and it's also very frustrating for them because then they end up not having those healthy boundaries that they actually need to be able to get through particular social situations or even work situations relationship situations even they're just not able to do it and it sucks it really, you know, and as much as I could say sucks to be them, it, it actually does. It actually does suck to be them, you know, it really does. So, I mean, yeah, that, that night, he's just, he's missing, he's missing his sword. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he, he don't have a sword, right? <laughs> so. Anyway, maybe, and honestly, that night guy, he probably is SDUF, let's be straight, you know. <laughs> we just saw an example of SDUF in, in, in public, you know, uh, and it's natural habitat, naturally, you know, so. But yeah, like, they just, they're, they're entitled to breaking the rules. They're entitled to destroying boundaries, basically, and breaking through boundaries, because 
from their perspective, why should we have boundaries? I didn't have boundaries as a child because I was so enabled, but here I am in adulthood, and all of a sudden there's all these about, adult boundaries. Why should I follow them? Why should I care? I, you know, why am I being forced against my will to care about being responsible you know, as, as an adult? And this is why they oftentimes take comfort in their relationships with people who are responsible, right? Who are responsible. This is why, you know, SD types in general like being around UD types because they see how much more responsible UD types tend to be, right? The problem is, though, is that I've noticed, like, when an SDUF type ends up with a UDUF type, they can kind of enable each other and become like this d dynamic duo where it's causing problems and it just, you know, it just further adds to decay, it further adds to despair, and they end up enabling each other, like, through this camaraderie-related effect uh, centered around unconscious focus as they are just enabling each other's unconscious. And basically what that is, it's a form of psychological, neutral commiseration. That's literally how they're commiserating. And it's, it's, it's so annoying to watch. It's so annoying to watch because the SDUF type ends up looking at the UDUF type and seeing the UDUF type as someone who's responsible. And sure, yeah, they may be responsible, but they're only responsible for themselves. The UDUF type is still ultimately a bad example for the SDUF nurture. But the SDUF nurture ends up following along with the UDUF's antics, and it ends up causing a lot of problems. Oftentimes, I have noticed SDUF types kind of basically being followers in a lot of ways. Because they don't realize that by testing the boundaries, testing the rules, breaking the boundaries down, trying to, you know, it's like a, they're kind of like a, an anarchical um, uh, octogram variant, basically. They're very, uh, they're very disorderly. You know, where, where UDUF is more about like, you know, someone who's just given up, SDUF types, I haven't given up, but you know, why, why bother trying anyway? Let's just bring it all down and, and start over again, basically. But they haven't exactly given up because they actually see themselves not giving up when they are breaking everything down, you know, for other people and the like. And that, that can be very concerning. That can be um, a very sad, sad approach for an SDUF variant. And you got to watch out for this. You got you to gotta really watch out for SDUF people, you know, left unchecked because they will eventually bring everyone else down. They will allow their natural irresponsibility to kind of get in the way of, uh, you know, what, what other people are doing or other people's responsibilities, other people's ability to take responsibility. It's one thing I have noticed about SDUF types. They will actually inhibit other people from taking responsibility because they're looking to everybody else to be that source of responsibility. And it's this new way that, uh, you know, the, the octogram variant nurturers actually interact with each other, basically, you know, from, from this perspective. Anyway, so, so what exactly is SDUF? SDUF is likely a former SDSF type. To be subconscious developed requires a previous state of being subconscious developed subconscious focus. The central characteristic of the subconscious developed unconscious focus variant is an involuntarily breaking away from enablement. I actually met someone who I knew was SDSF, but they were SDUF. And I, I was so curious, I was so curious, this is a coaching client of mine, I was so curious and it's like, well, wait a minute, I knew you a couple of years ago. 
I knew you as this person who was super joyful, super happy, and you're obviously SUF right now, and I'm like, what happened? I had to find out. I had to investigate what happened. And you know what it was? So, like, the, they started, they, I started coaching them about, about almost four years ago, just, just shy of four years ago, as when I started coaching this person. And then, uh, then they were SDSF, they were super happy, they were super joyful. Everything was right as rain in their life. And they were, um, and, uh, you know, they were 18 when I was coaching them, and now they're, they're 22, basically. They're totally SDUF. And I asked, I asked this person, like, okay, well, you know, what, what's been going on in your life? Any big events or this or that? Well, apparently, this person's parents both died, and they both died at the same time, basically. They literally lost their parents shortly after my very first time interacting with them, coaching, and they went SDUF. Because the support structure that their parents were providing this particular person was entirely necessary for them to even maintain their SDSF state until they are able to adopt new people to add to their support structure to be able to enable them so that they could remain subconscious focused. But they had their support structure involuntarily ripped out from under them, basically. And when that happened, they became unconscious focused. They became decay. And they've been acting like that ever since. And it's actually the main reason why they got coaching with me again, because they're like, what the hell do I do? I need some direction. I don't have a support structure. I don't know what I'm even doing in my life. What, the, what do I do? And it was, it was so sad. Uh, this person's uh, type was, uh, was uh, ESTP. So... So the SDUF octogram of rude awakening and results in decay because they could no, they could no longer, uh, what they could previously rely on, for example, when they were SDSF, is no longer usable. Those unusable aspects must erode for new life and new understanding to flourish. SDUF INFPs are decaying away from the beliefs and traditions they were brought up with and pushing to find their own path. Some, not unlike NI critic, and they're shadowed to look for value in other places. For example, SDUF ENTJs were no longer able to rely on giving for the sake of giving, which is SDSF in complacency, and they realized that they needed to generate, engineer their own opportunities in their INTP shadow, and then hold on to those opportunities, greed, to give themselves a purpose. Whatever the SDUF variant was accustomed to in childhood, when they were likely uh, subconscious develop, subconscious focus, not only no longer serve them later in life, but it actually ended up hurting them, which is really sad if you think about it, like really, really sad. So beyond that, children who are coddled, overly protected, you know, helicopter parents, which happens way too much, and are spoiled are likely to become SDUF when they are forced to be independent in the world they'll be unprepared for life. There's actually, there's actually something else really fascinating about adolescence that I could actually add to this. There's, there's something fascinating. And this is something actually that I've had to parent parents <laughs> in my coaching practice uh, for, uh, for parenting sessions multiple times. Because it's so interesting because like, you know, I get parents uh, who, who hire me, and they're like, okay, sometimes they're like, okay, what can I do to uh, keep my child subconscious focused, basically? You know, and it's really sad when they realize that their child is already UD, 
or they realize that their child is becoming UF and it's like, okay, well, what do I got to do? What do, what do I got to do? And there's this interesting phenomenon that I have observed. Um, I'm going to actually, you know what? I'm just going to put this over here. The phenomenon I was observed is that like parents, especially parents with a firstborn, right? And all of a sudden their firstborn becomes a teenager. And, all of, and their firstborn enjoyed a lot of trust and a lot of privileges afforded to them by their parents all the time. And they didn't do anything wrong. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, their parents became helicopter parents because their parents were projecting their own teenage years onto their own child and assuming that their own child was going to behave as irresponsibly as they did themselves when they were in adolescence, okay? And what this ends up doing is creates a self-fulfilling prophecy because through that projection onto their own child, right? Through that projection, what ends up happening is that they take away those privileges from the child and they add all these new restrictions that the child didn't even do anything wrong. Their teenager, their firstborn, did nothing wrong. And it's, it's a classic parental mistake because the firstborn is the, the child that the parents make the most mistakes with. The most mistakes. I know that. I make my mistake all the time with my firstborn. And I often feel bad about it. But that's what ends up happening all the time. Because that's just the nature of being a parent. When you have your firstborn, you make all of your mistakes with the firstborn. This is why traditionally firstborns were the ones that would get all, 100% of the parents. The firstborn son would get 100% of all of the parents' inheritance, including the throne, right? Because the parents would show them higher honor than their other children because the parents made all of, the mis all of their parenting mistakes with the firstborn which would likely turn them into unconscious focus. And this is why it happens. This is how it actually happens. It happens strictly because they're projecting their own teenage years on their child, assuming their child's gonna behave the same way, add on all these extra uh, you know, restrictions on their child when that child never did anything wrong to begin with. And then the child ends up developing that same thing, you know, as the NTP say, you know, hey, if I'm going to do the time, I may as well do the crime, basically, right? <laughs> and it's really frustrating. It's really annoying. I have to keep parenting parents, basically, in my coaching practice to deal with this problem. And I say, well, here's what I'm going to do with my children. I'm going to be like, yeah. You can do whatever you want until you screw up and then those restrictions will come. Because it's at that point that the child or the teenager has earned those restrictions instead of having those restrictions foisted upon them by irresponsible parents basically. Which ultimately leads to unconscious focus, right? It leads to decay. If that child was already previously enabled and they were SD, well guess what? That's how STUF types can be created by bad parenting, by helicopter parenting, basically. It's a huge problem. And it is consistent. It's consistent in my coaching practice. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell is going on? What, is, what the hell is wrong with people? Why is this consistently an issue? You know? 
and then it ends up leaving their children unprepared for life. Anyway, not all SDUF types were coddled or spoiled. It's possible to be subconscious, uh, developed, uh, subconscious focused, and still have suffered. The deeper theme of the subconscious developed unconscious focused variant is the need to develop one's own wisdom and responsibility. The dive into unconscious focus hyperfixates on the critic and the nemesis function, which can rapidly develop wisdom and understanding in a person. So, for example, think of Solomon. King Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived in all of recorded history, guess what? He is an SDUF type. Super enables a child. All of a sudden, he ends up becoming king randomly. He didn't know that that's what the plan was for his life. Apparently, it was. He thought his older brother was going to be king. All of a sudden, he himself ended up king, and he started freaking out. Rightfully so. He started freaking out, which sucks. It really sucks. Sucks a lot. Are you uh, a picture? No. So, from that point of view, all of a sudden he's king and he realizes, oh crap, I lack wisdom. And then God, uh, through, through the, 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 the temple priest, is like, hey, you know, you can ask me anything you want. And he's like, oh my God, I want some wisdom because there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to run this kingdom. I don't know what I'm doing. I wasn't even prepared to be king. So yeah, think of some. Ultimately, SDUF variants, if they return to SDSF, they will capture a more refined ego where their parent function learns to lead with more responsibility so that the joy of their subconscious can be more enduring. The SDUF call is for responsibility. And what would require more responsibility than learning to wield your deadly sin, unconscious focus, with wisdom, right? Anyway, so temple preference. SDUF types utilize the motivations of two sub-temples. In addition to their overarching temple in their subconscious and shadow, SDUF body temple types, for example, ENTJ, INTP, ESFJ, ISFP, are used to relying on the passion of the heart temple subconscious but must now push into the mind temple shadow with a focus on knowledge and skill acquisition. To do and to believe, body plus heart, is not enough. One must also know. SDUF mind temple types, ESTJs, ISTPs, ENFJs, INFPs, are used to relying on the perceived identity derived from their soul temple subconscious, but must now journey into the body temple shadow to focus on achievement, realizing what will be left behind. SDUF heart temple types, ENTP, INTJ, ESFP, ISFJs, are used to relying on exploration derived from their body temple subconscious, but must now journey into the soul temple shadow to understand who they are and to distill what actually matters, right? Therefore, SUF temple, soul temple types, ENFP, INFJ, ESTP, ISTJ, are used to relying on their knowledge and performance in their mind temple subconscious, but must now journey into the heart temple shadow to find what is actually meaningful to them and what pursuit calls them for its own sake. The heart must speak. Therefore, now we go into functional preference. SUF types require an intense development of their critic over their child to teach them wisdom. Inferior enablement, which gave rise to SDSF originally, must be replaced with the understanding provided by the nemesis. Together, the nemesis and the critic function of the shadow, this is like the hero and the parent in the shadow, teach the ego to be responsible, where the parental development acts as the culmination of the subconscious developed unconscious focused journey. Because of the fixation on the shadow, but still having the energy of the SD, usually longing to return to the subconscious, SDUF types can potentially develop their wisdom faster than any other variant. 
and that's true because they oftentimes end up experimenting and losing and <laughs> learning from their mistakes or the mistakes from others as they're breaking everything down and violating all those boundaries like we talked about previously. So because the fixation on the shadow, but still having the energy of the SD, usually longing in return to the subconscious, SDUF types can potentially develop wisdom, faster Taylor variant. Ultimately, SDUF variant is not a curse. The decay rots away what is already bound to rot. The product of what rots away can give birth to new life and they can rise up like a phoenix. Just as a compost file, pile filled with rotting food can create lush and rich and nutritious soil for new things to grow. And if used well, the unconscious focus can push into deeper wisdom and the oasis of psychological transformation can be found. Like, you know, the book of Proverbs written by Solomon. The SDUF is the precursor for psychological renewal. They are essential to the human race. You know, not like, you know, for example, the Buddha who's SD and he became UF, the INTJ Buddha, right? We already discussed Buddha previously, so. Anyway, folks, that's what the SDUF, Subconscious Developed, Unconscious Focus, Decay, Octogram Variant is all about. Thanks for watching and listening, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.